0: It's super important that you set healthy boundaries for yourself, first and foremost. Just because you dissolve the marriage doesn't mean that you can't be partners when it comes to your kids. Active listening is a way when someone's triggered to help them feel heard and help de-escalate the situation. Welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today, we are here to talk about bridging the divide, mastering post-divorce dialogue. What does that mean? That means, how can you and your partner, your ex-partner, have effective communication, particularly if you have children? I mean, let's face it, if you don't have children, this becomes a lot less important. But if you have children, this is vital and if this is your first time visiting Rich in Relationship, this is a podcast dedicated to building bridges, helping parents to build bridges so they can protect and shield their children from negative conflict, from destructive conflict. And my name is Rich Heller, and I am the creator and producer of this podcast, and I've been helping people build bridges for years now. Okay. Okay. Effective communication with an ex-partner. You know, ex-partner is kind of appropriate, but kind of not. Because the truth is that as long as there are children involved, you are engaged in some form of partnership. Now, to some of you, that is galling, I know. You're like, what? I'm partners with her, him, whatever, them? That that just isn't going to work. That's why I got divorced. I got divorced because I was done with that partnership. I was done with a partnership that doesn't work, and what I'm here to tell you is that just because you dissolved the marriage, because you weren't successful in that partnership, doesn't mean that you can't be partners when it comes to your kids. In fact, when it comes to children, we have the one area where both parties can agree on at least one thing, and that is what what that they love those kids they love those kids even the most narcissistic parent on some level loves their children and that's the starting point for a different kind of partnership more of a business partnership let's call it and the price of not having that partnership is ongoing trauma for your children ongoing scarring for your children i'll tell you a story about 20 years after my dad died, I was at a, a very odd dinner with my mom and my stepmom. Um, and they were both, this was talk stuff about my dad's session they were having. The, and my mom was still furious with him, really angry. My stepmom was kind of laughing. My, my mom was still pretty angry. And I turned to my mom and I said, mom dad's been dead for 20 years like what's it who are you hurting who are you helping by being angry with him like maybe it's time to let this go and my stepmom actually kind of jumped in and said yeah and being angry is not gonna help right and it was a big aha moment and the truth is that my brother and I had lived with my mom's rage for our father throughout our whole childhood and we had been impacted by that anger, that rage, persistent anger and rage that she had for him and to some extent for us because we loved our dad, right? Like, even though on a rational level she understood that he was our dad and that we loved him irrationally, loving him meant not loving her. And this is why it's so important to get past these communication barriers. We can't be continuing. To scar our children with destructive conflict, with negative emotions that no longer serve us, much less them. Plus, if we're going to engage in the business of rearing children together, why not learn how to talk about it? Why not? And so I've already hit on the most common barrier to effective communication, and that is residual emotion. It is not unusual, even common, for parents to have residual anger, hurt, sadness, fear, frustration, blame for the other parent. And those residual emotions often get in the way of effective communication. You know, I work as a parent coordinator, and I often meet with parents who are trying to parent together, and it's not unusual for one parent to blow up the whole meeting with their residual anger and blame. And part of my job is to help them detox from that anger and blame. Part of my job is to help them put it on the table and release it. But sometimes it can be really challenging. That pain can be really deep. And so I'm encouraging you in your parenting partnership with your ex. So identify, where am I getting frustrated and angry really easily? Where am I going from zero to 60? If you're going from zero to 10, that might be pretty common anger or frustration. It might be a common communication barrier. But if your emotion is going from 10 to 60 miles an hour, just like that, the chances are there's something residual to clean up. And we need to first identify what those triggers are so that when they come up, even though we're feeling 60, we're expressing 10 or staying calm would be really nice. How possible is that? It might not be possible at first. At first, maybe you're going to go from zero to 60 and you're going to say, hey, I'm having some feelings right now. Can I get back to you in an hour? Can I get back to you in a day, a week? Whatever you need to reset. Right. But the key thing is that we take the time to reset. right? And so at first... We're going to notice what our triggers are. We may need to go somewhere else and reset. And over time, as we get better at resetting, we might even be able to do it right there in the room and they'll never know we're doing it. But ultimately, what we really want is to release the trigger. And ways that we do that working with people are through something called mental and emotional release. Hey, I got a dog chewing a bone in the background, so you may hear some crunching. I'm just going to warn you. He's he's uh, my constant companion, and um, you can take a quick look at him. See, there he is. And the problem is the microphone likes him. The microphone likes my dog. All right, so let's keep talking about communication barriers. Communication barriers might be them. They might be triggered. You're going to need strategies for identifying when they're triggered and how to step out so that they can calm down. And it, I'll tell you what it doesn't look. It doesn't look like this. You know what? You're a little angry right now, so we can't talk. That's kind of like saying, you're the problem. What it might look like is saying, you notice that they're triggered, and you might say, you know what? I need to, um, I need to take a time out right now. I, I, I need to go to the bathroom. I got a call I need to make. And then when you come back, See if you can de escalate whatever it was you were talking about. Go take the conversation back a few steps. You'll probably remember what the trigger point was and see if you can work around that trigger point for them. Or it might be a matter of getting a parent coordinator to come in and help. Parent coordinator, uh, something work that a parent coordinator works at helping two parents who are divorced or getting divorced to have effective communication to settle. Uh, to work through areas where there are people are getting triggered or where they're having trouble creating agreement. It's super important that you set healthy boundaries for yourself, first and foremost. Setting a boundary is going to look like un- identifying behaviors that don't feel safe to you in the room when you're in a partnership and having a strategy for extricating yourself when those behaviors come up possibly even for letting the other person know that those behaviors are the reason that you're leaving. The problem with boundaries is sometimes we confuse threats for boundaries. So this sometimes people think this is a boundary. If you get angry one more time, I'm out of here. That's not setting a boundary. That's a threat. But a boundary would be, hey, I noticed that you're having some feelings right now, and I don't feel especially safe right now, so I'm going to step out. That would be setting a boundary. I don't feel especially safe right now. I'm going to step out until we can have a calmer conversation. Anything where you can frame what your strategy as, this is something I need to do for me. I'm not trying to change you. It's something I need to do for me is going to be effective. Anytime it sounds to the other person like you're trying to fix them, help them or change them, it's going to be batted away. It's not going to be received. It's going to make things worse. some practical advice on how to communicate clearly and constructively. We've talked on this show a great deal about I statements. Uh, If you are having a powerful emotion and you want to share it, the way to share it is I am having this powerful emotion. I'm mad. I'm happy. I'm sad. I'm afraid. Or some subset of those emotions. I'm having this emotion. And When in my conversation this happens, I feel this emotion because it reminds me of a time that I was really hurt in the past, or that I felt really hurt in the past, or felt really afraid in the past, or felt really angry in the past, right? So that would be a way. And basically, I statement is I feel X when, and that's the situation when why happens, the situation that uh, that this is occurring, and the because is always something to do with me. right? Otherwise, it, it could go this way. I'm afraid right now when you start screaming at me because you are an angry jackass. <laughs> that would not be an effective communication. Uh, the way to do that would be, I'm afraid right now because we're getting kind of loud together. And when people get loud, it reminds me of... Scary times, and I just I don't want to have like I don't want to be in that place right now. Could we talk about this in an hour? That would be an I statement. It's always the cause is always why am I experiencing it within me, not what's triggering the experience. Does that make sense to you? Good, I'm glad. All right. Another technique would be active listening. Active listening. We've talked a lot about a lot in this show. It's when you listen for one feeling and one fact that the other person is expressing. So maybe they're getting a little fired up. They're they're a zero to 10 or zero to 20 even. And what you're going to listen for is one feeling, one fact. You're going to say, it sounds like you're feeling angry. It sounds like you're feeling frustrated. It sounds like you're feeling afraid because what we're talking about right now is very triggering for you because when we talk about Johnny's school, that brings up a lot, that brings up this feeling for you. You want to connect one feeling, one fact, and then you want to follow it up with, did I get it? Not, am I right? Not, did I get it right? But just the words, did I get it? And they will say, no, you didn't get it. You never get it, but it's this. And you're going to say, oh, it sounds like what you're saying is, that you're feeling happy because Johnny's doing really well at school. Oh, I go, did. I get it. Yes, I got it. Great. All right. Whatever. However, you need to reframe it so that they understand that you hear them or get it. That's what active listening is. You may have to do it two or three times, and it's not about responding. Active listening is not. Oh, well. Let's try and fix that. You don't want to go to that place. You just active listening is a way when someone's triggered to help them feel heard and help de escalate. The situation. You want to be really careful in your communications about medium. Uh, There are some mediums that are good for text. Text is usually good for logistics. It might be good for a quick compliment. All right, but if you're entering into a territory where it's going to bring up mixed emotion, it's probably not so great. Um, Email. It might be better for that. But the problem with email, like very much like text, is it's not. Uh, contextual. There's no tone to it, or creating tone in email requires a lot of words. Uh, The way tone is created in a book, for example, is the author will write about situations. It seems like leaves blowing around in a cool fall afternoon, and that's supposed to evoke emotion, right? But we don't really do that in email, and so email tends to have less tone. And if you're going to bring up something that really requires tone, the best way to do that is through a phone call, video, or maybe even in person. Phone call or video are going to be less emotionally charged than in person. In person is going to be the most emotionally intimate and charged situation. And so, think about what is it that you need to share. What level of sharing do you need to do it, to get across what you want to get across? And what's the most most effective vehicle to do that? And you want to always want to stay focused. To, on what is the goal that you want to achieve in your communication. Now, inevitably, in your communication, there is going to be conflict, right? And let's not forget that conflict is what got us divorced in the first place. The ability to not resolve conflict constructively is often the prime driver for divorce. Avoiding conflict is going to be Somewhat effective, but in the end, there are going to be things that you disagree about. Let's say one of you wants Johnny to go to Catholic school and the other one wants him to go to a Buddhist monastery. Um, those might even be too close, but a uh, public school, You know, let's say public school, and you've got your own reasons for it. What's a compromise going to look like in that context? And you're going to need to search for common ground in order to resolve the conflict. The way to do that is to get under the position. Instead of being triggered by what the other person wants and how it's different than you want, what you want to do is you want to get to what is it about going to public school or Catholic school that they like? What are the qualities that they like? And then you want to explain what are the qualities about your position that you like, and you're going to look for where those qualities overlap. And you might even change your mind and decide that they have a good view, or you might find a Catholic school that's more like a public school. You might find, what is that, a charter school that's got some Catholic school qualities, but isn't quite so um, whatever it is about Catholic schools that you don't like. I'm going to keep all that out of this podcast. And if you really can't resolve it, again, a parent coordinator, a trained mediator, counselors can help you with this. It's really important that you, as co-parents, you maintain regular communication in your co-parenting arrangement. You want to have weekly contact regarding logistics, Who's got who, when, how. You want to have weekly contact, unless it's something you do very regularly about handoffs. Anytime there's a change, you're going to want to have special contact regarding that. You're going to want to have quarterly contact about how are they doing in school, what's going on with their friends. You might even want to do that monthly. But regular communication is really important. Weekly for basic logistics. Let's say monthly for monitoring your child's progress and re-coordinating your strategies. Uh, how are you going to communicate certain values to them? You might even want might want in your monthly conversation to talk about what holidays are coming up and how are you going to handle them. Hey, I've got a vacation coming. I'm wondering if I could trade days with you, that kind of thing. And in that process, as long as you remain respectful of the other person and their needs and the desires, you will rebuild some trust, right? And trust is really important in this process. You need to trust that when they say they're gonna drop off at 10 a.m., they are, and if something comes up, they'll call you and let you know. Trust is about, I say what I I do what I say, and if for some reason I can't do what I said, I'm going to re-say it so that I can do what I re-say, so that it's, communication is really important in rebuilding trust. And respecting one another's points of views, even when you disagree, is huge. And I wanna make sure that you get the long-term benefits of developing a civil business relationship post-divorce, the long-term benefits are that you will teach your children that even when people don't like each other sometimes, they can work together. You will teach your children that when people see something that's both that's important to both of them, even though they may disagree on a lot of other fronts, they're willing to work together for this one super high value, which in this case is the children. You're going to teach your children how to resolve conflict, ultimately. That, yeah, well, we had to transform our relationship to get to this place where we can resolve conflict, but we are resolving conflict. You're going to teach your children about being strong as individuals and about strong, being strong as partners. And as you learn to work together more and more effectively, you're going to teach your children about building risk, sm- smaller risks into bigger risks, and how to work more and more effectively, because that's basically what you're going to be doing. You know, I worked with couples that started out barely being able to speak to each other and even were able to sit together at their child's graduation over time uh, in order to continue to be an example to their children and to teach their children this lesson of sacrifice is worthwhile when it's for the people that you love. And so I'm encouraging you to go down this road together or separately. You can, by the way, can you do this on your own? You can, you can be the example and you can pull the other person by example. There's, there may only be so far that they will go. You cannot change the other person, but you can influence them. And so the clearer you are about where it is you want to be as a co-parent, the clearer you are about the values you want to share with your children, the clearer you are about the experience you want them to have. And the more you choose to lead by example, rather than correction, the more you'll pull that of the parent along and the more powerful the experience your children are going to have. As always, if you like what you heard today, reshare this podcast with other people, subscribe. If you have questions, reach out to me, rich at richinrelationship.com, direct message me, comment on the podcast or the video blog, whatever you're listening to, and stay tuned because we're going to do another seven episodes on this theme right now as we move into january thank you and come back for the next episode of rich in relationship